0: Welcome to Oaks Church, where we grow great lives and build big people. Thank you for checking out our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by this life-changing message from Pastor Joel Scrivener. For more information, visit us online at oakschurch.com. Or follow us on social media at Oaks Church, Texas. What we've been discussing uh, as we walk through this series, we've been walking through the Made for This series and now into the Gifted series, and it's all about understanding your specific calling. We can't compare ourselves to other people. I mean, I compare my, if I was to look at myself compared to what they do, I would say, I'm barely a Christian. (laughs) compared to someone who's willing to lay down their entire life and all of the freedoms that we experience here and go build their family in the kingdom in another country where they know they could end up in jail or killed. That's next level to me. But that's not my calling. We each have our own and all of us have to walk in what we are individually called to do and that's it. We can't compare ourselves one to another. We've gotta figure out what God is saying to each and every one of us and walk in that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I wanna jump into this, and I'm gonna give you a little bit of a recap. If you could, uh, in the back, if you could put the image up, uh, Austin that has all three of those circles, and you can just go ahead and put the finished one up that has them all uh, filled in. I wanna take you on just a little bit of a journey of what we've walked through in this series for the last few weeks. The top circle is the passion circle, and that's where we started this journey, uh, looking at the things in our lives, what are our passions, uh, discovering that specific passion for God that's so important, that builds all of our foundation of who we are and what we believe, but also then recognizing the specific desires that God put inside of our heart that are passion-based, that help us to understand what he has called us to do. Then we moved into our gifts, and that's the season or the series that we're in right now. We talked about our talents. We talked about time, identifying the specific things that God has given each and every one of us that make us unique. Uh, We and have talked a little bit about our treasure, our financial ability that is a gift, right? Every one of us have different levels of gifts, Different people at different levels in their life have different abilities to earn and a a gift to earn at different levels And we're each required to use our financial gifts to help build the kingdom as well It's there's no freeloaders in the kingdom. I don't know if you know that or not right Uh, At our house the way we raised our children when they were old enough to carry anything they were old enough to help Right we played the pickup game. Anybody play the pickup game? Come on, we're going to play the pickup game. Oh, we hate the pickup game, right? But I'm telling you, what happens is when you train a child to be involved in the family business, so to speak, uh, at this point, Jennifer and I haven't done dishes in like at least four years. Uh, It's been amazing. We don't know what's going to happen when they go off to college. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm confused right now. But our kids will go away, spend the night somewhere at someone else's house, and we'll come into the kitchen. We're like, what's wrong with this place? Because our kids handle the business, right? But that's the whole deal. It's everybody. It's all hands on deck. We're all a part of this family. And it's the same way in the kingdom of heaven. We all have a part to play. No freeloaders in God's kingdom, right? So we talked about that. Now we're going to move to the next part, which is the part where we have the rewards, right? There are rewards that we are to understand and also to expect, and this is a little bit of a slippy, slippery slope for a lot of people in a couple different ways, and I'm going to explain that, but I want you to see this picture because, well, if you would figure out what your passion is, and you can understand your gifts and, 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 and utilize and maximize those, and then you come to the place to figure out what are the rewards that really motivate you and move you forward and help you to stay on track, because guess what? As much as you love your job, if there wasn't a paycheck, right, you probably wouldn't show up. There's a reason that we are willing to put forth the effort to do the things that we do to use our gifts and talents and abilities. It's because there's a reward in place. And when we understand and we can find this place in the center sweet spot, if we can connect into our passion, figure out our gifts, Figure out what are the rewards that continue to move us forward. This whole thing circles back to the top, and in the center of that, we can figure out the God-given purpose that we have for our lives. Now, you in the business world have probably seen this um, at, called the hedgehog concept. I just kind of took it and morphed it for a kingdom purpose, and it, and it really works, okay? And I would encourage you, if you want to, in your notes, kind of draw this out. That's great. Um, but just, just be inspired today and understand that God is a rewarder. You have a God that loves to reward. I want you to think just for a second back to your childhood, and I want you to think about the things in your childhood that motivated you. Maybe you were an athlete. Maybe a dancer. Maybe you were an artist. Maybe you, it, it, for me, I was competitive. I was always an athletic kid. Uh, I loved to compete. I loved to win. Uh, trophies were a big reward for me. Medals. Uh, any type of accolade. Any type of, of attaboy. Uh, affirmation. Those, those type of rewards really fueled me. And I have the type of personality that I really want to please. Now the problem with having a personality that you really wanna please and you gain a lot of of reward from making other people happy is it can can actually become something that's unhealthy because in, in the psychological world, they would call it codependency, which is a very real thing. And you can find yourself in a place where if you can't make someone else happy, then you yourself can't be happy and that's not a good place to be. So there's a balance to that. But it's just part of understanding who we are. So what are some of those things that maybe you were uh, felt a reward by? Maybe it was being accepted or being acknowledged. Maybe you were a competitor as well. And, and if you're not careful, those things that we see and we understand as rewards, we can get off the path with those things. But we can also, if we're, uh, if we're also not careful on the flip side of that, we can come into a place where we... Uh, where we move away from that reward thing and we just kind of get into the grind of life and we stop really thinking about the things that move us forward, a lot of people hit a place in their life and they stop dreaming. They stop setting goals. They just kind of settle. And God hasn't called any of us to settle. God is a limitless God. He has no limits. He he has no boundaries. There, there There are no limits when you serve a limitless God. And the kingdom of heaven, the scripture says, is ever expanding. And we as individuals have to be people that are looking to continue to expand, continue to tap into that passion, continue to refine our gifts, continue to figure out what are the things that bring reward into my life that make me want to get back up. Come on, there, there, there needs to be a place of celebration in your life where you accomplish something you're like, yes, and you celebrate it. And then you come back to your place of passion and you start all over again. It's the cycle of life, and it is something that is that is a beautiful thing. The scriptures say in Proverbs 13:12 that a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, desiring rewards is embedded inside of human design. The way God made you, He made you to desire rewards. He made you to enjoy. Did you understand that God is a, actually a God of pleasure? You, you know that? If God wasn't a God of pleasure, He would not have given you your senses. Your senses bring either pain or pleasure into your life. You can see something that's very beautiful, pleasurable, and you're like, wow, that's beautiful. You can see something that's not so. You're like, ah, oh, turn away. You can taste something that's delicious. It's pleasurable. You can taste something you wish you had never, right? But God created those senses because he desires for you to actually enjoy life. See, some people have a misconception of God, that they think that God is this, this judge that's just looking to crush, and he's up there with the magnifying glass frying little red ants on the sidewalk. You ever do that one? Just... They It'll It'll actually pop. It's pretty amazing. God's not like that. God's not looking for a way to keep you out. He's not looking for a way to crush you down. God is looking for a way. He's looking for every reason to get you in. He made it so easy that all you have to do is put your faith in his son. Salvation comes from faith alone. Not by works. So no one can boast. But we do have good works that he prepared for us in advance to do. And there are rewards that come along with the obedience that we walk into God. It's inside of our human design. Jesus talked about it. He talked about reward. Matthew 10, he said that if anybody even gave a cup of cool water to one of these little children, they would never lose their reward. See, we serve a God that is the great rewarder. He's the great rewarder. You that are parents, don't you love? to see your kids walk in obedience, and you say, hey, if you would do this and this and this, we're gonna go to a movie and then we're gonna have some ice cream, and they do all the different things that they wanna do. And Have you ever been, as a parent, You you, you know, you've got this thing that you really wanna do with them, but then they didn't comply, and so now you have to be the disciplinarian and say, no, we can't do this, and now you're depressed because you really wanted to go see the new Marvel movie or whatever, but your kid didn't do what he was supposed to do, so now you're missing out. Never. You guys need to be better parents. You just let them go anyway, don't you? I'm just play See, God is a great rewarder. This, this verse is so powerful. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, number one, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Recognize that. The type of faith that pleases God is to believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Period. See, you can get off and you can have different types of faith that aren't actually the type of faith that it takes to please him. The type of faith that takes to please him is not the faith that it takes to understand everything that happens. Why this and why that and how this and how that. That's not the faith that pleases him. The type of faith that pleases him is not the type of faith that has strings attached. God, if you this, then I will that. It's not the type of faith that pleases him. The type of faith that pleases him has no strings attached, just an understanding that I know, I know, I know that he is, and I know, I know, I know that he's good. He is a rewarder. Yeah, but it didn't work out. I know, but he's good. But so-and-so died. I know, but he's good. If this didn't happen, I know, but he's good. You're sick. I know, but he's good. You're injured. I know, but he's good. He is, and I know he's good. And when you come to the place of developing that type of unconditional faith, faith with no strings, that's the faith that pleases God. The parable of the talents that we talked about is another beautiful example of the ta- of, 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 the way that the father is a rewarder. Jesus talks about the master who gives all these gifts and these talents, and he's looking for an opportunity to multiply and reward. And when the, when the servant comes back and does well, he says to that servant, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. See, now I'm gonna reward you with much. Come enjoy your master's happiness. That is the nature of your father. Your father in heaven is a rewarder. I wanna do, I wanna take a second though and I wanna talk about a couple of pitfalls because talking about rewards um, can make some people nervous because you can go outside of boundaries seeking rewards. Uh, And honestly, some of us grew up in different types of churches where it was, you were almost, if you desired anything good in life, it was almost a guilt trip was put on you or some kind of blame was put on you. You weren't spiritual enough because you, I mean, if you were really, I mean, think about this. This, is, this was said to, uh, about, about the woman that worshiped Jesus. What waste. That money, that perfume could have been sold and given to the poor. And that's a religious perversion because this woman's worship was a reward to Jesus. It was worship unto Jesus. But the religious perversion is such that it would make you feel guilty for desiring a reward or for having ambition or for wanting to go and do great things. Because the perversion of the religious side is that, well, then it's really all about you. And the truth of the matter is, it could be. See, this, these, there's two pitfalls on either side of this thing. Re- talking about rewards is a little bit dangerous Because one person could go completely off the path and everything's about the reward, the reward, the reward and they forget that this picture was a circle really and every circle is, is congruent and it ties together and it leads right back up to the most important thing is passion for God. And God will, yes, reward you, but it's not about you. It's about motivating you, inspiring you to come back to that place of giving him glory because you're truly passionate about him. See, I grew up in churches at times where there was this thing put on me that I felt like if I was ever going to really do anything great for God, that I had to literally die to everything good. That's why I, did, that's why I never wanted to be a pastor growing up. I was, cons- I was con- convinced that pastors could not have any fun, and I wanted to have fun. I have lots of fun, and I'm a pastor, being a pastor, being a minister, being a Christian doesn't mean you're boring, doesn't mean you're no fun. If you are a fuddy-duddy Christian, you're doing it wrong. Every little kid wanted to hang out with Jesus. That's right. That's right. Every little kid. You ever said, listen, if you've got kids, and you've seen this happen, you want them to go and hug their aunt uh, Susie or whatever, and they're like, eh, you should listen. <laughs> they may know something. <laughs> but you got a little kid, and they just and they see this person and they just run to that person. Sometimes, what they see in that person is they see Jesus. They 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 see the spirit of Jesus in that person. Jesus was fun. He, he hung out with the boys. He was a youth pastor, basically. You can't be a good youth pastor and not be fun. All the kids wanted to come and hang out with Jesus. His disciples were like, "Back up, kid! Back up! Back up!" Right? And Jesus was like, "What are you doing?" That was Peter. Peter had, he's just kicking kids around. That's mine. (laughs) Let them all come to me. Why? Because Jesus is a rewarder. God is a rewarder. He loves to reward his kids. He loves to elevate his kids. But the problem is, is if we get off path, and guys, I've been on both sides of this. We can get off path and we can start chasing the reward so much that the reward becomes an idol. It's idolatry 101. Idolatry 101 is is they forsook the creator and they worshiped the created. And I've been at that place in my life where God rewarded me and he gave me something he gave me opportunities and all of a sudden that thing became more important than him. On the flip side... When I walked away from my industry and walked away from my business and walked away from from all of the goals and the aspirations that I had all my life growing up to answer the call to go into ministry, I lived in that place for about five years, and I'm 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 gonna say something that's gonna mess somebody up. And I prayed a perverted prayer. I took one statement from Jesus and I made it every single prayer of my entire life. But not my will, but thy will. Jesus said that one time. And religion wants to make, the, oh, that's real. That's re- one prayer. And religion wants to make, well, that's the holiest type of prayer. And I, I'm sitting there going, I don't have any ambitions. I don't have any dreams. I don't have any goals. It's just whatever God wants. Guess what? That's not what God wants, because God puts stuff inside of you. How many times did Jesus walk up to someone? He didn't say, "It's not about your will." It's about my will. I don't care what you want. Show me one place. Every time he's like, "What do you want?" Well, I, I, the water stirred. The angels comes, and I can't get in. What do you want? I wanna see Jesus. Okay? Come on, guys. This is the Jesus you serve. You can't get caught up in this religious baloney that it's not about anything you want and any of your desires are just sinful and wretched. It's only about your will be done, your will. Yes, it's about his will be done, but he buried his will in your heart. God, He put it in you. And there's these desires and these passions and these goals and this drive that he put inside of you. And if you, listen, there is a place, and we'll get to this in a moment, where you have to consecrate those things. But you also have to recognize what he made you to do and what he made you to love and what gifts he gave you. And what the rewards were that motivate you. He's the rewarding God. He created this whole system. My water, <clears throat> probably when I was kicking that kid. <laughs> the flip side of it is that it, it can become an idol, and we have to constantly seek the rewarder and not the reward. That's the secret. If, if every time it comes around, we come right back to seeking the rewarder, thank you for the reward, but I'm really seeking you. Thank you. Thank you for the gift, but I'm really seeking the giver. Thank you for the, for the provision, but I'm really just seeking the provider. I just I just want to know you more. But I also understand that I'm a human and God made humans and He made humans to be motivated. When I saw Jennifer for the very first time, I got really motivated. She's one of the greatest rewards that I have in my life. An amazing reward. But I can't make her the idol. I have to keep seeking the rewarder and thank him for the reward. And guys, this happens all the time. That God gives you the reward of, of an individual, a gift of a person in your life. And if you're not careful, that person becomes an idol. This has happened to me in my life. Where someone that was a gift for a season became an idol and I became, without knowing it, more loyal to a person than I was to the call of God. Yeah. we got to be careful. Because we've got to keep seeking the rewarder and not the reward. There's a story in David's life. I, I, and this, this whole series for me has been centered throughout the life of David. And, and David is such a hero, and incredible worshiper, and he was a total... Just a tough dude, man. I mean, he's just a tough dude, and I I really like the story of David. But David blew it a lot. I mean, David David blew it pretty hard. Uh, He was a violent man. He was vicious at times. Uh, He um, he made a couple major mistakes in his life. There's two big big mistakes uh, that he made in his life. Uh, Both of the times that David made mistakes were in seasons that he got outside of the cycle, and he got too focused on the reward and on what he deserved, and that he was the king, and he could have whatever he wanted. And he fell into a place, you guys know the story of Bathsheba, where he was supposed to be out to war, but instead he stayed home and was reclining on the couch, probably having a nice glass of wine, eating some figs or something, I don't know, and looks out across the balcony and sees this fine lady taking a bath and says, that one right there, I think I'll have her too. Already had plenty of wives, already also had 10 concubines, not sure how that works, God apparently squares it up for David. I don't know. Don't try this at home. It won't work out for you. Oh my God. I'm gonna just be good and move on. But he messed up. And 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 it and it ended up not just an affair and, and a child born out of wedlock or or conceived out of wedlock, but a murder. It's horrific. I mean, we can look at this person as a hero. Can I just say, if David was a pastor nowadays, come on. All a pastor has to do is just slip. You're oh, out. Never again. He was a fraud. Look, I messed up. I ain't killed nobody yet. <laughs> it's early though But the time I want to tell you about today in david's life is at the end of his days He was extremely wealthy He had conquered almost all of the enemies of israel. I mean he brought peace to israel And and he came into a place and what's really interesting about this part of the story is it was almost a setup by God. In fact, it was a setup by God. This story is found in 2 Samuel 24. This is a little story that some of you may have never seen before inside the story of David. But watch this, how this begins. It says, again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. We don't know why. Israel had a pattern of idolatry. They would fall back into worshiping other idols and sacrificing other things. And and so most likely there was some type of rebellion or idolatry that had entered its way back into Israel again. It says that his anger was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, his commander of the army, who was with him, go throughout all the tribes of Israel to Dan and Beersheba and count the people that I may know the number of the people. And Joab said to the king, now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times more than there are and may his eyes of my Lord the king see it. But why does my Lord the king desire this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and and against the captains of the army, and therefore Joab and the captains of the army went out in the presence of the king and counted the people of Israel. They went and counted. They they had a whole lot. This this is how many uh, military men we have. This is how many women and children. This is how many, and it's a confusing thing because the rest of the story goes like this. After they came back with the count, David was then convicted for knowing the count And he goes and apologizes to God, and the prophet, whose name was Gad, says, Well, listen, God says you have three choices because of this grievous sin. There's nowhere in Scripture, there's nowhere in the Old Testament, there's nowhere in any of the laws that counting the people was listed as one of the sins in Hebrew culture. But it was a great sin. But it was also God's idea. I don't understand this story. God wanted to discipline his kids, so he put a bad idea in David's heart. I don't understand. Listen, there is stuff about God we will never get. But David comes back and repents. God says, okay, you get three choices. You can either have three years that your enemies run you rampant. You can have three months or I was thinking it was, no. I, I'm, I'm going to mix up the story. It was, it was three, three, and three, all right? And one of them was men uh, messing with them and hunting them down and all of that. The third one was famine for, I believe, three years. That's what it was. So it was three months of, three months of them being uh, run ragged by their enemies, three years of famine, or three days of plague. And David said, look, I don't want to be at the mercy of men because I know men don't have any mercy so I'm just going to put this in your hands, God. And so God released a plague for three days on Israel, and 70,000 people in Israel died. This story is weird. It's so wild. But the scholars, when they, when they look at this story and they try to understand what was it that David did wrong, they have to go and look culturally at why kings would do that type of thing. Why would a king go and run a census and want to know all that he had and run the numbers on everything that he owned? It was a pride thing. It was about, look at all I have. Look at the power that I have. It put a king in a position now to go and negotiate with other nations and and make partnerships with with other governments and do different things like that. And God was saying I don't want you to ever fall into this trap again that you're gonna look out and fall in love with the reward and focus on the reward instead of focusing on the rewarder. Interestingly enough, it was Joab who was a violent man and and at times a very vicious and seemingly unspiritual man was the one that said, David, please, don't do this thing. Don't do this thing. May God add a 100 times more, but don't count. So guys, what was interesting is the study I did on this correlated this type of a mindset to the mindset of many local churches today, that everything's about numbers, everything's about a show, everything's about a performance, everything's about how many, everything's about forsaking the spiritual, because we don't want to offend anybody with the Holy Spirit, So let's just make this something where we can get thousands and 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 thousands. But we won't ever do anything that was actually in the Bible, like miracles and tongues and prophecy and any of that, because we don't want to run anybody off. May God add a hundred times to Oaks Church, but we're not going to sell out. We're not going to sell out. Now, I'm not, I don't want to speak bad, and I would never speak bad over any individual church. I'm just telling you this is something that has become very prevalent in our world today. That it, that it, 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 come, it becomes a business. It's not about that. It's not about that. God wants to do something really beautiful and powerful. With this church. And may he add a hundred times more. But it ain't about the numbers. It's about what he's doing inside of the hearts of individuals. It's about him being glorified. It's not about the reward for us. It's about he is the rewarder. And we're going to stay passionate for him. Amen. I'm going to close with this opportunity for you. I just want you to take a minute and just examine your own heart. Because I described two different pitfalls. One is a pitfall of of a religious, almost a poverty perversion of I'm not going to dream, I'm not going to aspire, it's all about your will, it has nothing to do with what I might desire in my own life, and it's a twist, that's a twist, it's a perversion of the truth. And some of you in this room may have fallen into that and you haven't dreamed in years, You you haven't allowed yourself to desire in years because of a twist of the truth. On the flip side, there may be some that have, you've been all about pursuing, 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 pursuing. Reward, 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 reward. And we've forgotten the rewarder. That it's all about the rewarder. And the only way for us to have true satisfaction in life is to find that sweet spot in the middle. That sweet place in the middle where we're all about the rewarder. But we recognize he's going to give me rewards. But it's not about... It's not about what I can have. It's about what I can give. Guys, when you flip the switch on this, and the reward is only a means to give more and to invest more into God's people and to bless more, when that becomes what happens in your life, and it's all about the rewarder, and the more he gives, the more you give. The more he rewards, the more you spread it around and bless and do that, and that's in every part of your life, guys. This is not, this whole thing Understanding your gifts, what you were made for. It's about the tithe of your whole life. It's about every ounce of who you are being poured out as an offering for God. Is money a part of it? Yes. Is your talent a part of it? Yes. Is your time a part of it? Yes. It's all a part of it. It's the tithe of your life. It's you giving your life. And we've got to be people that live close to the altar. We live near the altar. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is we're, we're ever ready to put it on the altar. Father, you want me to burn this up? I'll burn it up. I'm not going to allow this reward to become an idol. I'll burn this thing up in, in a split second. I'll walk away in a split second, Father. I'm obeying you. Thank you for the reward, but I'm about you. You're the rewarder. We got to live close to the altar in our lives. We can never get to that place, and I've been at this place, where I now I've got this, and I'm unwilling to give it back. It's a heartbreaking place to find yourself in. And the only way is to put it back on the altar and trust him with it. And if it's his desire, he'll bring it right back alive again, just like he did with Abraham and Isaac. He he brought Isaac right back up. Let no harm fall to him. Come on, God's got that for you too. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.